Hey, Monday night. Good to see you guys. Everybody watching on the online campus, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. For everybody that's attending that is a part of our Spanish service, our Espanol, I'm so glad you're here. Our interpreters are, are helping you right now. And I'm, if there's anything we can do, uh, like for me to talk slower for them to help you, I'm doing my best. I really am. But welcome. Hey, let me give you some updates real quick. Um, you may look around and say, well, where is everybody? The National Finals Rodeo is going on. There's a lot of people at NFR. Let me give you some updates. Aniston Abel is the world champion goat tire in the junior division. Isn't that cool? Yes. And for those that are like, they really have goat tying and it's a big deal. It really is. And in this church, it's a really big deal because the world champ goes here, okay? And the second thing is really cool, in the team roping, our very own Logan Medlin is sitting second in the average right now. And uh, it's, a, it's a tough rodeo. It's tough. We've got five more nights, six more nights. How many? Five more nights, five more nights. And um, it's just exciting. So everybody, there's a lot of people there watching. And, and I'm going to preach short tonight so that we can go watch Logan. But we need to meet with Jesus first. And the louder you get, the shorter the message is. That's, that worked the first time. It hadn't worked since because y'all know it's not true. But we're in a series. We're talking about Christmas. Real good news. Now, that means a lot to me because I know where we're going for the next three weeks. Let me talk to anybody in this room that you would be a Jesus follower. Okay? You're a Jesus follower. But maybe you have friends who's not a Jesus follower. Well, if you have brought up Christmas lately, you know that some, it's not like it used to be. There are actually folks that are really kind of against it. So what today is, today's message in this series, we talk about it being really good news, is leaning into some of the things that we need to be better at in understanding what Christmas is. It is the birth of the Savior. But imagine if no one has ever heard the story before and you start throwing out all the things that come with the belief of Christmas. So this is for you. For those in the room that you would say, I, I like Christians. They're cool. I hope my daughter marries a Christian. They're, they seem to be great people. They treat people good. Um, I've just never explored it. So I, I just don't know what I believe. This is for you. And this is for you a lean-in moment because what we're going to do is talk about why do we believe in Christmas? Now, as a pastor, I'm asked a lot of questions. And these questions, I think, are going to be real healthy for this conversation we're having about Christmas and it being real good news, okay? So here's one of the questions that I get a lot, okay? One of the questions I get is, is, is it true? Is, is the Christmas story really true? And I've got some really good friends who aren't afraid to ask me some really important questions to them and questions that they wouldn't feel comfortable asking anybody else, but they would just, and they turn to me and they go, the virgin birth. I mean, we're talking about a 13-year-old girl, 13, 14, 15 years old, who is a virgin, who is betrothed to a man who stays committed to her. Even though this isn't his child, and you add to the story, they both believe that God impregnated her? Let's, come on, Pastor Ty. God impregnating somebody? I mean, these are the conversations I find myself in quite often. 
And then you add to it angels that had this big choir in heaven and a star that led wise men. And then a flee to Egypt and then a return back in a course correction. And you find all these things in this story. And it isn't a bad thing to ask. Pastor Ty, when it comes to Christmas, is it true? Now, for some people that grew up in church, you were raised in church, you've just never known not believing in the Christmas story. It's been a part of your tradition. It's been a part of your faith forever. It may offend you a little bit to think about this. Someone asking, is Christmas true? And you go, well, no, stop. That's a great question. And we're going to talk about it today. But if you're in the room and maybe Christmas is just, it's a major tradition in your home. A major, major tradition. The question that I get a lot from people is, Pastor Ty, I don't really know if I trust how I got to believe in Christmas. I mean, as a kid, I was just told it. As a teenager, I believed it. As an adult, I'm rethinking it. And maybe it's not, is it true? Maybe your question is, is it true? The it being, how did you get to the conclusion that a part of your faith is this amazing Christmas story? It's not about Santa. It's not about gifts. It's not about Charlie Brown showing up on, on ABC or CBS or NBC or whatever it's on. You are really searching and you're taking a look at the it. And let me just, let me just kind of really get tense here. Are you ready? Maybe... For you, like a lot of people, the only thing you have to base your it on is the Bible. And now you're looking at this going, do we just believe the Christmas story because it's in the Bible? I mean, where's the evidence? I mean, Easter's one thing. Easter, you, during Easter, we talk about the evidence of what took place. But the Christmas story... And all that took place, and let me just say something, and this may really shake somebody up, but I really want you to think about it. If you believe in the Christmas story just because the Bible says so, I don't think that's a really good reason. And here's the reason why. There was a lot of people, thousands of people, who were following Jesus before the Bible was ever written. So you can't say that the Bible is our evidence. The resurrection actually gives evidence to the Bible. And the Bible comes alive. And the Bible is true. But when you begin to just say, I just believe it because the Bible says so, what is the it? And I could go more and more in this. If you want to have lunch someday, we can sit down. The Bible is true. But if you just believe Christmas because the Bible says so, I don't know if you've really looked at this story like you should and how your faith will come alive. And not only the Christmas story and the Bible and the resurrection, it is amazing how it affects so many areas and just where you get your information from. So these are the two things. Is it true? Is it true? But the third one I don't hear very often, every now and then I get a question about it, but more and more in the world that we live in, and you'll see it in media and different things, more people are asking about Christmas, is it good? And just lean into this for a minute. 
And this is where I want to really excel as a pastor. I want to invite people who would say, we need to just do away with Christmas. That's just a ridiculous holiday. It's become about Santa and toys, but, but you're wrapping it around a, a, a Savior is born, and I'm not sure it's good. I'm not sure that every year we have to celebrate this holiday that you're asking me to believe in. And, and it's, is it really good for our community? Is it really good? I mean, religion causes so much fights, and religion causes so many great dinner conversations to go sour. And maybe you've been in this world, and now you're asking, is it good? Is it good for people? Is it good for kids? That's a question being asked a lot. It's a kid's holiday, if you will. A lot of people are involving their kids, and they're asking, is, is Christmas really good for kids? Now, the reason why I want to start off like this, and you can feel the tension being built, okay? Because this series is called, is called Christmas. Christmas. It's real good. It's real good news. And I just don't want to tell you this. I want to show you why it's real good news. And maybe this will help you turn to your friends and maybe explain why you believe in Christmas a little bit more. I want to say something real quick, okay? Okay? When you hear something that's not good, how do you respond? I'm mean, just think about it real quick. If you hear something that's just not good, you hear from a friend who heard from a friend who heard from a friend that Roses is selling way too many tacos and they're leaving town. What would you do in that case? Most of you would starve, okay? I, I want you to lean in because I want you to look at what, do you, what would you do if you heard news that wasn't that good? Here, here's what I think. I think we would all hope that it's not true. If you ever heard not good news, bad news, okay, something that was not good, our first reaction, my first reaction, is we hope it's not true but what you're going to find in the christmas story and what you're going to find when jesus was born is that all of these things begin to go into motion and if it wasn't good it would have it would have stopped immediately you and i would not be here today talking about this amazing story of the God of the universe sending his son to earth, being born in a manger. We wouldn't even be talking about it if not good took place because we would hope that it's not true. But what if, what do you do when you hear good news? And I want you to start piecing this together. What would you do if I said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the president of Chick-fil-A. And he walked out, and he walked out and said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here tonight, Monday night, Cowboy Junction Church. I just want to let you know it's official. We just bought property in Hobbs and Lovington and Tatum and Eunice and Jowl and Seminole and Carlsbad and Artesia. And, and Chick-fil-A is coming to southeastern New Mexico. Would that be good news? Yeah. Be good news, okay? Well, if you ever hear good news, do you ever find yourself finding that you hope that it's true? And this is what I want you to notice about the Christmas story. It didn't die. It didn't stop. 
It only got bigger, and people spread it and shared it. Neighbors told neighbors, you're not going to believe what we saw last night. This whole sky lit up, and angels were singing, and shepherds came spreading into town to see what the news was. And two years later, these wise men came with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this child was born. It's like no other child we ever saw. And his name was Jesus, and they had to flee because Herod was chasing them. But they ended up coming back to Nazareth, and this story built, and he became a, a rabbi. And he preached things that no one had ever heard before about the condition of a human soul and what he could do, not for our kingdom to be built, but for God's kingdom and how we played a part. And the most important part, can you imagine a neighbor saying this? But the best part, the best part, forget the angels, forget the camels, forget the wise men. God hasn't given up on us. God loves us. God loves me and God loves you. And we always thought that God was looking at if we were keeping the rules or not, keeping the rules. And, and he put the rules there to keep us safe, to protect us. But the rules didn't save us, so he sent his son. It's amazing. All the prophecy was fulfilled. Everything that the prophets over thousands of years said came true with the birth of this one child. And neighbors were telling each other, and it grew and grew. And they watched him grow up. And they watched him die. And they watched him three days later walk and talk amongst them. And they got to put his hand, their hands in his hands and his side. And the story tried to be quenched, tried to be put out. Powerful people, powerful, powerful world leaders tried to destroy the story. And the story only grew more. As people gave their life for the story because they had seen Jesus with their own eyes. And today we get to hold in our hands the very testimony of the people who saw it with their own eyes. And when you hear good news, do you hope it's true? And when you see that it's true, you're going to see something that they did. They didn't step back. They leaned in. And I'm asking every one of us, I don't care where you're at in your faith journey, I'm asking you to lean into the Christmas story this year because it is real good news. And it breaks my heart a little bit. It breaks my heart that so many of this generation is leaning away from the Christmas story because they've come to the conclusion that it's not good news. So today, I'm going to show you why I believe It's real good news. The gospel. What do you think of when you think of the word gospel? Do you think of Bill Gaither singing or maybe your grandma's old preacher who used to preach the gospel? Well, he preaches the gospel. He's a good preacher. And, And the gospel isn't a form or a style. The gospel is simple. It literally means the good news. This When you hear about the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they refer to the Gospels, what it's referring to is the good news of Jesus. Let me show you what Luke had to say about it, okay? Luke is one of my favorite authors in the Bible. Luke was not one of the 12. Luke wasn't there on the crucifixion or resurrection. But Luke was invited by a man. We'll introduce him here in a minute who said, I'll fund your trip if you go there and interview everyone. 
and see if they're lying, see if anyone's backing out of their story. And what Luke found was nobody was backing up, even when they were being hunted, even when there was a bounty on their head. None of them were running and saying, it wasn't true, it wasn't true. All of them were becoming more bold. You can kill me if you want, they said. It doesn't matter. Chains and all handcuffs, because the moment I close my eyes on this earth after you kill me is the moment I open my eyes to the heaven that we saw in Jesus when he rose again. That's good news. And Luke writes about it. Luke writes and he says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, which means God gave us a set of rules. And God made this way so that we could know if we were not where God wanted us to be. Since that time, the good news, and that's what he says, of the kingdom of God, and I love that he put that in there. He says, the kingdom of God that has now come to us is good news and it is being preached and who everyone 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 i'm meeting everyone i'm talking to everyone has seen it with their own eyes and they, they are forcing themselves into it they are not sitting back there they are all leaning into it and that's why i asked you a minute ago what happens when you hear not so good news you hope it's not true but what happens if you hear good news you hope it's true and the good news was with them and everyone was forcing themselves into the story that jesus was writing of god had not given up on earth had not given up on humanity and he had made a way so we can all know salvation. And Luke continues and he says this. He says, oh, yeah, 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 keep going. Keep going. Here's the point. If the good news of Jesus doesn't strike you, and this is what I want you to lean in on. Maybe you grew up in a church or a family to where you were constantly told what it meant to be a Christian. And it was a list of rules. It was you had to do this, you had to do this, you had to do this. And it just didn't strike you as good news. It was a burden. It was painful at times. It was ugly. It was mean. And your idea of Christianity doesn't make you want to st step into it. It actually makes you want to step back. You dig Christians. You're glad they know God. You're so happy for them. But it wasn't the world you grew up in. And that's why I want you to stop and hear me when I tell you, if the good news of Jesus doesn't strike you, then the way it was presented to you wasn't the good news. You might have got a church list. You might have got a to-do list. You might have got been told everything but the good news news because here's why and here's why i want you to get this because when jesus was with us and talking to us people were leaning in and these were burnt people these were people who'd been burned by religion these are people who had been burnt by the synagogue they had been beat up and abused by all the priests the priests held themselves in such a high spot these people had no reason to step into another rabbi's preaching and you know what they did? They did. 
And that's something that I've always looked at. They didn't have to, but this was different. It was good news, and they were leaning in. So Luke, my, my, one of my favorite authors, wrote Matthew, always wrote Luke. I mean, it, it's right in the midst of Matthew, Mark, okay, and John. Luke starts off writing in John, in Luke chapter 1. Stay with me here. I'm going to get it together. Luke chapter 1. You want to know what the very first word is in Luke chapter 1? Many. Many. How many do you think many is? Three? Four? Fifty? A hundred? Get an idea in your head because this is how Luke starts off. And he's writing to Theophilus, who's funding this journalistic experience, to see if the story of Jesus is real. And he's writing to Theophilus, and he says, Many, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Many have undertaken. It's not just me. There's so many people leaning into this story. From the birth of Jesus, to the teachings of Jesus, to the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, Theophilus, many people have undertaken an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. And here's a question I have. Why? Why were so many people leaning into the story? Because something good, something significant is happening. And people are leaning into it. Luke continues writing, and he says this, look at this very closely, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. I've been interviewing people who saw it with their own eyes, who some of them were there when he was born. Some of them heard the teaching. All of them saw him dead, and now everyone is testifying to his resurrection. And he goes on, and he goes, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent, Theophilus. We don't know much about this guy, but we do know that he was probably wealthy. He was very interested in this story. He was much paying attention to God's prophecies, and they were all being fulfilled in this Jesus and Theophilus wanted to know more. But I want you to look at the next words that Luke says to Theophilus. He says this, so that you, Theophilus, may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. I love digging into stuff like this. And you see now it's more than just reading your Bible. You see the evidence being created. And this is the start of the good news. And people were leaning in. And because it was good, people were leaning in. People were fascinated with what Jesus had to say, the things Jesus said was going to take place, them taking place, and then him doing something no one thought could be done. And the invitation is still here today, but I thought it would be fun. What if we took three things, three things, that those people at that time were leaning into, okay? We're going to be done, but honestly, if you think about it, why would we, be, why would we want to know? 
because there was such a buzz and they must have been excited about something. So here's what I could find. The number one thing they were excited about, forgiveness. Jesus didn't come to tell the world, you're a bunch of sinners, you're going to hell, and I'm just here to tell you. Jesus, not only in the book of John, as it said, does it say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But the very next verse says that, that, there is, that, that, that everyone is invited into this and that everyone, you have your Bible? You know, uh, uh, John chapter 3, verse 17. You told me to kind of get off track here today because I, I just felt like I wanted to show you this. Someone asked me one time, what's the most important verse in the Bible? And they thought I was going to say John 3.16. I said, John 3.17 is one of my favorite ones. John 3.17 says this, that every, um, I've got to find it. John 3, stay with me. 15, 16, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus came so that all of us could be saved. I think John 3.17 is just as important as John 3.16. And this is what the buzz was about. It didn't matter how deep you dug your hole. It doesn't matter how, how bad of a sin you had committed. God was not done with your story. Can you imagine you giving your child up for somebody else? That's exactly what God did. And it was blowing everybody in their thinking that we could be good with God. I don't know what your story is here today, but I want you to lean into the fact that God has forgiveness for us. He has forgiveness for you, and some of you in this room know it. You've experienced it. You're not the same person you used to be. With these baptisms over here, it's a testimony that God is constantly still doing the resurrection story in people's lives to this day. But the, the cool thing is, if you've never been told that and you're hearing it for the first time, there's an invitation right now for you to choose to ask God to forgive you of your sins through Jesus. Luke continues and he writes this. He says in Luke chapter 5, got it? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Luke's writing this, but you know who said it? Jesus. And it's the most weirdest place for this to pop up. That the Son of Man, which is Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins. This is found in this amazing story of everybody's leaning into Jesus and everywhere Jesus is, people are showing up because they want to hear more. They want to hear more. It's not this condemnation message. It's this invitation message. And this house that Jesus was in and preaching is full of people and no one can get inside. But Jesus has been healing people and there was a man in the neighborhood who was paralyzed, and he had great friends. And right in the middle of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God, all of a sudden, the roof is ripped off. The roof 
The roof. The roof. No, 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 we're going to stop right there, okay? And the roof is ripped off. And these men lower this guy down in basically a hammock. And this paralyzed man is now laying before Jesus. Jesus knows. Everybody knows. The guy wants to be healed. But Jesus doesn't turn to him and give him immediately what he wants. Jesus actually gives him what he needs. And that's the amazing thing about our Savior Jesus. Because if Jesus showed up here today and said, you got 30 minutes with him, what would you start asking him for? What would you start talking to him about? And can I turn to you and say, it may not be the exact thing that he wants to talk to you about. Because there's some things you don't even know you need because you're more focused on what you do need. But if, he'll let, if you let him talk to you about the things he knows you need, he will also address the things that you know you need. And this paralyzed man, an example, Jesus forgives him of his sins and then turns and says this. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you to get up, take up your mat, and go home. To you and I, this not mean, may not mean, mean much. But in the room was a bunch of religious people who were furious that not only is Jesus healing people, people who don't deserve it, Jesus is also forgiving them for sins. And that's exactly why people were leaning into this story. Because people were walking because they had needs. But Jesus was going as far as giving them the things that even the religious leaders said, they don't deserve it. They're awful people. Awful people. You and me. I don't know if you know this, but we're sinners. And Jesus was forgiving sins and meeting us in the very spot we were in. Maybe you're in a situation right now you don't know how to get out of. Don't worry about it. You need Jesus. Because when you find Jesus, it's amazing how it trickles down to everything else. Second reason, second reason why people were following, why they were leaning in, they were so excited about the story, is because everyone is being invited to follow Jesus. And when I say everyone, I don't mean like the smartest and the brightest and the coolest and the nicest. Jesus was turning to some of the most awful people and say come follow me quit doing what you're doing and come follow me and this invitation is the very thing that was shocking people because they had never met a religious leader someone who said they were God's people ever make way for imperfect people the story of Levi is one of the stories that was causing people to just talk to neighbors You can't believe what Jesus did with Levi last night. Levi, Levi who? Levi the tax collector. That sorry dog, sorry nasty. What you do, Google search when you get home and find out why people hated tax collectors back in Jesus' day so much. And the story of Levi is this moment where Jesus turns to Levi and says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. So he's in the middle of doing a detestable thing. 
And Jesus turns to him and says, you sorry, no good sucker. You're going to hell where you belong. Is that what Jesus said? I know, and this is why people are freaking out. This is back then why people were like, he should have said that. He didn't? No, what did he say? He said, follow me. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. You know why the story of Christmas means so much to me? I told this to Heather the other day. I'm not the man that I should be. And I'm glad you know this, Tybean. But the Tybean that I should have been in another dimension for all the superhero people in the room, okay? There's a Tybean in another dimension. I don't, I don't believe in dimensions, but it's kind of funny because it's a popular movie right now that's ruined all the good movies that you wouldn't like. But Jesus turned to me one day and said, follow me. I didn't know who he was talking to because I didn't do anything right. I didn't earn this. I wasn't a good person. But it's the same invitation he's given to you. And it's the same reason, I want you to get this, what caused such a buzz back then? He wasn't telling people to run, get out of his way, scream unclean in the streets. He turned to Levi and he said, come follow me, Levi. I wish I could say everybody's name in this room and everybody online right now. Because I would say, Jesus wants you and is saying to you, come follow me, insert your name right there. Now the religious leaders had a fit. Number one, he was healing people. Number two, now he's forgiving sins. And I want you to look at what Jesus then turned and said to the religious leaders. He said this, I have come not, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Tell me if that's good news or not. And that's why people were leaning in. So if you're an atheist, and I've got atheist friends. I've got atheist neighbors. I know people who are struggling in their faith. And they're asking questions like, is Christmas really good? I don't know. You tell me. Did Jesus come for well people? Or for sick people? Did Jesus come as the healer to heal a bunch of people that weren't sick? Or did he come to people with big problems and say, Follow me. And I think that's an amazing reason to believe in Christmas. So, have you ever been told in your life to be good? To be a Christian, you just got to be good. To be a Christian, you just, you just got to keep on the straight and narrow. You'll get enough credits to make yourself good and you'll get to heaven. That's not how it works. None of us are good. But the third thing that Jesus was doing wasn't turning to everyone and telling them to be good. Jesus was turning to everyone and saying, I bring salvation. I want you to follow me. And now it's time to do good. Every person in this room has a calling on their life. 
every person listening to this message, God is not done with your story yet. You need salvation. You can follow Jesus because he's asking you to. But good is never going to come out of you because we're just not naturally good. But it's amazing that when you follow Jesus, good just happens. It just happens. And the reason why people were so excited is because they had tried to do good and they had failed. They tried to do good and they failed. They tried to be good and they failed. And Jesus said, come follow me and let's do some good. Listen to it over and over again in the Gospels. He turned to Peter and he said, Peter, you think this is cool that we got a bunch of fish? If you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. It's the very same thing. Over and over again in the gospel, Jesus isn't asking us to be good. He's asking us just do what I do. And if you just do what I do, you're going to be doing some good stuff. How do you do good in a marriage? You follow Jesus. How do you raise kids? You follow Jesus. How do you let your light shine in the darkness? You follow Jesus. And people loved it. They could quit trying to be good and they could start doing good. Let me read you what Luke had to say. Luke chapter 6 verse 26. He says, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. This is Luke documenting what Jesus said. And Jesus turns and says, hey listen, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Now that seems kind of bizarre. We really want people to say good things about us. But what Jesus is saying here, that's exactly what the prophets and, and the priests did in the back of the day. They only did good to be spoken highly of. He said, don't be like them. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Okay? And Jesus continues. But to you who are listening, I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who mistreat you. And this was completely upside down of anything they heard about God. This was good news. To love people, to do good to those, even if they hate you, to pray for those, even if they've mistreated you. People were leaning in saying, we've never heard anything like this before because if you do it to them it'll happen to you you want proof is what Jesus has to say then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked that's both for us and for them a God who had not given up on humanity even as ungrateful and wicked as we may be, and it caused people to lean in. Maybe when it comes to Christmas, you've just been told over and over and over, you just gotta believe, you just gotta believe, you just gotta believe, you gotta believe in Christmas, you gotta believe, you gotta believe, you gotta believe, you just gotta believe. Can, I, can you explain Christmas to me? Really can't, you just gotta believe. And Jesus, remember, didn't tell us, he said to believe but he invited us to follow. 
And today, and throughout the week, we're going to be covering something different next week. And it's the invitation to look at the Christmas story in a different way. But what if you just looked at Christmas a little bit different? And I hope the evidence that I showed you guys today really causes you to do what they did back then. To lean in. I want you to look what Luke had to say. Luke wrote down, Jesus said, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Be merciful. Look at this. No one ever saw God as merciful. No one ever saw God as loving. And Jesus specifically says, guys, it's okay to love the unlovable. Why? Because your faith, your father is faithful to love you even when you were unlovable. That's good news. So, the next couple of weeks we're going to be dissecting, dissecting Christmas. And don't forget that today in the town of David, Savior has been born to you to you he is the Messiah the Lord if you're in this place maybe the Holy Spirit is just telling you I'm here and I'm real put your trust your faith me and come follow me I would love to pray with you I really would I'd love to have a conversation I'd love to ask you what your thoughts what did you get out of today that would cause you to want to step in instead of stepping back so we're going to sing this worship song and during this worship song the prayer team is going to be up here at the front. And if you're in this room and you're just, you're carrying a heavy load this season. There's something heavy on your heart. You would just love for someone to pray for you. Our prayer team would love to pray for you. I'd love for you to come back next week. We're going to continue this journey into seeing the real good news that we call Christmas. But if the Holy Spirit's knocking on your, on your heart right now, saying there was something about the baptisms, there was something about the songs tonight, there was something about when you said to lean in, and I could just feel the Holy Spirit said, there you go, kiddo, there's your word, lean in. Would you lean in far enough to meet with me? And we're all going to stand to our feet. Why don't we just go ahead and do that? Everybody stand to your feet. And if in this room and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, but it's time. Would you just grab your stuff while we're singing this song? Just pick up your stuff. Tell the people you came with, said, I'm going to go in the back with Pastor Ty. It would take about five, six minutes. Just go through those double doors right there and then turn a hard right. I'm going to meet you at the Jesus sign. And I want you to walk up to me and say, Pastor Ty, I want to follow Jesus. And I would love to pray with you. So our prayer team is going to be up here. 
Come on, guys. Let's sing to the Lord.